spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusion supply. See store or jcp.com for details. San Antonio Sports Star Audio Vault is brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds, 225-2121, or online at mybestbailbonds.com. It's time for your in-depth look at the world of gaming. Here we go! The Meta with Katie Barber. Hello, and welcome back to The Meta right here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM. I'm your host, Katie Barber. And we're going to kick off today's show with some esports news, and we're going to start early with the fun stuff on some uh, game-to-film adaptations with Pledger. Um, after that, I'm going to be chatting with Editor-in-Chief at Game Informer, Andrew Reiner, about what his Game of the Year is, and to do a little bit of a review on Halo Infinite now that the mm-hmm. campaign is out. After that, Pledge, Pledge and I are going to dish on the news coming from last night's The Game Awards. So I guess to start... I'm going to go over what you can watch in terms of pro esports uh, through the weekend and next week. Um, Street Fighter League started in Jan- uh, actually it started in October, um, but it looks like every Thursday until January you can watch the Street Fighter League games uh, on Thursday nights at six o'clock. Yeah. So that's going to be pro Street Fighter players fighting for the U.S. championships. And in my opinion, I I'm not the best at fighting games, but I always love to watch high level fighting game players just, like, go at it? Oh, absolutely. I remember a few years ago, TBS seemed like they jumped out in front of this, right? Mm -hmm. Because they were televising, like, uh, injustice fights Mm -hmm. on professional gaming level, and it was super cool. And Street Fighter is one of those games that it's kind of nostalgic in a sense as well because it's one of those old-school 90s games that you kind of grew up playing at the arcade, mm-hmm. and it was so much fun. Then it came to console, and I enjoy, especially when you're able to watch it at a high level, yeah. instead of me just using Baraka and just <laughs> continually <laughs> chopping my hand to try right. and keep people away. The old button mashing technique. Hey, it, it worked. <laughs> it worked back in the day. Don't don't hate. I know. It's just it's insane to watch them go at it. And at some point, I am actually friends with a former Street Fighter League pro player. He lives here in Texas. He's from the Valley. Lives in Austin. His okay. name is Broly Legs, and he has uh he suffers from some pretty serious uh, disabilities that he's had since birth, but he hasn't let it stop him from being literally the number one Chun-Li in the world uh, and competing cool. in the inaugural Street Fighter League. So he'll be on at some point, but uh, it looks like now on Thursdays at 6 p.m. you can watch Street Fighter League pro players duke it out for the champions through uh, January. Mm-hmm. Uh, the inaugural Valorant Championship Series, which is Riot Games' uh, hero shooter, yeah, they are compete. They're having their first season of championships right now, and they're going to be. Uh, they, it started on December first, and there's the matches are going to start at 11 a.m. over the weekend on Saturday and Sunday. So, and finals are Sunday. So, if you want to see the very first ever champions of Valorant, mm-hmm. <laughs> this weekend's the weekend to do it. And that's incredible because when you're able to see like new games become a professional gaming mm-hmm. circuit that. Are new to because you always, if you at least follow 
the professional gaming and whether it's Street Fire League or Injustice, like you notice certain teams, certain players rise mm-hmm. to the top in certain events. So you kind of know going in who's going to be the favorites. But when you're dealing with a whole new gaming platform or a whole new game, I mean, like that kind of mm-hmm. at least opens things up to where there's a little bit of mystery as to who's going to who's going to take it, who's going to be there, who are the best at this, because it's kind of unknown at the time, especially considering. So Riot Games is Valorant's creator Mm -hmm. and they created League of Legends, which is has one of the largest esports programs worldwide, you know, in terms of taking over the staple centers for world finals. Yeah. You know, like they 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 know how to put together an esports league games the whole shebang and so just to watch riot kind of take the winning formula that they developed with league of legends and giving valorant its own unique community because you know you've got league of legends which is a moba and valorant's a shooter they're you're not going to have as much crossover as if they had another moba that they were that they were playing so and when valorant first came out a lot of the the professional league of legends players tried playing valorant and some of them still do a lot of them do. I mean, the riots. Yeah, riots. They're cash cow, so of course they're going to promo the new <laughs> games and stuff. Um, but it's it's still a different genre of game. So you're going to have a different set of players who are going to hit the pro level. I couldn't tell you right now off the top of my head whether or not there is any overlap in some of those players from from League of Legends going over to Valorant. But the fact that they're getting ready to do the first finals of the championships, uh, decide who the Valorant 2021 champions are, it's really exciting for them and for fans of the game. Just imagine how cool it would be if it could be like that here in San Antonio oh, where the AT&T Center could oh. draw those kind of crowds to bring professional gaming to the forefront. Like That would be sick. I could see... It the AT and T Center is the neutral grounds for Overwatch League. You know they've got a mm. Dallas team, they've got a they've got Dallas Fuel, Houston Outlaws, the neutral ground here in the Alamo City. You know it could be fun. San Antonio has a lot but of opportunity. Instead, watch is going to go to something like Austin. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> Try not to be too salty about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, for CS:GO, one of the one of the games that has the longest standing esports uh, communities. They are in the process of building points because IEM Katowice, which is one of the major CSGO tournaments, is going to be in February. So this weekend is the Intel Extreme Masters uh, ESL Pro tournament. They're going to be competing just to get those points so that they can play in those big league tournaments that are really fun to watch, even if you don't play games like CSGO. And that's going to go through Wednesday? Yeah, yeah. And then because Halo Infinite is finally out as of this week, uh, the first Halo Championship series in nearly two two years is going to kick off next Friday. Shocking. I'm not going to be a part of this. <laughs> <laughs> Me either. Um, but it's really exciting because uh, it's going to be... the 343 also said, you know, with the new game coming out and with the start of the new series, they're going to be dropping the first year roadmap for the esports series that they're going to be doing probably mm-hmm. throughout at least the first year so keep an eye out um but that first tournament that they're going to have the kickoff majors in raleigh that prize pool is going to start at two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. <sighs> that's starting it could go it could get bigger and if only i could get like two percent of that i'd be so happy i know right <laughs> even one percent i would take one percent people are like you're so lucky you work in radio i was like you wouldn't feel that way if <laughs> yes. you saw my chat I'm glad you enjoy my voice, though. <laughs> I'm glad. Um, 
And that's about it, at least for this week. There's there's just a lot going, a lot more going on now than I expected there to be with that. You know, it's the middle of December, or I guess it's almost the middle of December. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. This is a big kind of Halo show for us oh, yeah. because you've got the interview coming up with the one of the writers and, and lead people over at Game Informer mm-hmm. is he's going to be talking about his playing of Halo Infinite and his thoughts on the game and kind of where it ranks in the pantheon of Halo games. Exactly. We we were we we've got the news from <laughs> the show last night in which a Halo TV show TV show has dropped which is Well, awesome. not dropped. Don't get them excited. Trailer they, kind yes, of teaser. They, they showed a trailer. Yeah. Of it. You know I how mean, people can get a little bit too ahead of themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm one of those people. I like to run to the finish line a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like this is a heavy Halo day for us. Uh yeah. I, I mean it's the 20th anniversary of the Halo franchise mm. this year. Um, literally, like in the last couple of weeks, and there's just a lot going on. And this TV show is kind of the cherry on top of the cake <laughs> with the release of Halo Infinite. That the show is going to be come out sometime next year. It'll be streaming on Paramount Plus, and that's so I'm just I'm a little bit upset because I don't. That's one of the ones I don't have. So <laughs> same here. <laughs> I'm like, of I I I think I pay for like seven to nine streaming. Let's services. see. I've got ESPN Plus. I've got Netflix, I've got Disney Plus, I've got Hulu, I've got Amazon Prime Video, I've got HBO Max, I've got... I have Peacock also. Oh, you have Peacock? I do because I, I like The Office and Parks and Rec. It's like my show to listen to. I also have Crunchyroll, I, mm-hmm. just because I can't help myself. Um, I, <laughs> I get it. But Especially I with Demon out, Slayer starting again this like last exactly. weekend. Exactly. <laughs> like I need to get on Crunchyroll for that, but I also found out like there is a whole lot of anime that is currently on Hulu. Yes. So I'm going back through a bunch of things from my childhood that I just loved. Like mm-hmm. I'm rewatched Cowboy Bebop. Yes. I'm about to start Trigun. Yes. It, oh, I love Trigun. Add in a little loop in the third. Inuyasha. <laughs> Yeah. Don't even play. Inuyasha. <laughs> like, I saw that. There's like, they're Inuyasha's, all on my watch list right now. There's a sequel now. to it now called Yashihime. And uh, uh, both Full, uh, Full Metal Alchemist and Brotherhood. Oh, like, yes. Yes, yes. So much great stuff on Hulu that I am... Gundam Wing <gasps> is on there, which, oh. man... Hero was uh was great, but Duo was my favorite because mm-hmm. I loved the Grim Reaper Gundam. Like that was my favorite. I I will say Wing Zero. Ebby loved Wing Zero. I was a fan of the Reaper. I think they announced this a little while ago, and so I can't. I'm trying to remember. Did I make this up because I wish it would happen? <laughs> you might. Did, was it really news? Um, but I'm pretty sure Funimation and Hulu are going to merge, or like, or Crunchyroll bought Funimation, or there's some sort of whoever owns those things, like those two streaming services. One of them bought the other. Hulu, and, Hulu is owned currently by ESPN Disney, I think, uh, it's a, because not, it's yeah. part of the of the bundle mm-hmm. for Disney Plus. Right. So the mouse owns those properties. Right. No, I'm talking about a funima- the Funimation anime uh-huh. streaming app and um because I think one is owned by Sony and and Sony bought essentially the other one and they're just kind of merging them. Ooh. I off the top of my head I just thought about it right now. So it's it's one of those things I believe that those services are eventually going to merge so it'll kind of be a one-stop shop for streaming anime. anime. But nice. like you said Hulu has great options, and even Netflix has a lot of they great do. animated and some series. some new stuff. Yeah, I mean, Arcane, which I talked about last week, is mm-hmm. Netflix. 
I feel like people kind of were hit or miss on it, but I actually really liked Seven Deadly Sins, which is a Netflix um, yes. original anime uh, that came out a couple years ago. Ajin was another really good Netflix one. If I think about it hard enough here, I probably could come up with a, a decent list. But <laughs> we have other fun shows to talk about, like in, in the same realm of of game to TV, right? We know that The Last of Us is going to be getting a TV show. Um, Which is really cool, because yes. that game Ew, is so It's like good. a movie with with things to play. Yes. You know? <laughs> the narrative in, in the first game and the second game is really strong. The second, you know, all games, there's always something controversial. There's always something to complain about. And, you know, The Last of Us wasn't immune to that. I personally loved both games mm-hmm. from, from front to finish, all the whole narrative. Yes. So I'm really excited to see these characters come to life. Um, we already knew that Pedro Pascal is going to be Joel. Yeah. And I think that that's a great casting. Um, Bella Ramsey, who played Lady Leona Mormont in uh-huh. Game of Thrones, the little sassy noble lady that would tell grown men. To yeah, sit yeah, down, yeah, yeah. She's going to be Ellie. Um, and okay. She's, and so she's 18 years old, uh, but she looks really young. So yeah. I think that she's, she's a fit for how it's like young. Like Tom Holland. You know, he right. just looks like a kid. <laughs> but he's, I'm still not convinced he looks old enough to be Nathan Drake. But <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> but anyway. But with his hair growing yeah. out and stuff, he's starting to look a lot and, older. Yeah, and, and I'm about to say the same something about uh, Bella Ramsey that applies to him is that th- it gives them room to grow into the role. You know, yeah, there's a like lot starting them young so they can develop because into the franchise. There's a lot of story to be told in all of these franchises. And I think that's part of why they casted him as Peter Parker in yeah. the MCU is yeah. because it leaves him so much room to play this character moving forward. And uh, <laughs> we talked about Cowboy Bebop's anime adaptation yeah. a couple weeks ago, and it appears the season two has already been canceled. That's disappointing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, if you follow me on Twitter, I'm, I give live action animes a hard time, but that's just because I, because pers- they're bad. <laughs> I personally struggle with adaptations film. If, if whether or not it's like, I don't anime mind to live adaptations action. as long as it makes, as long as you can do the story, because let's face it, the MCU is nothing but adaptations right. of multiple stories into a singular story, right? Right. No, I, I don't disagree at all. But and I think it so comes, yeah. there's a way to obviously do it. Yeah. It's just they have not found that way. Like, a good kind of uh, thought process on that is Dragon Ball Evolution. <laughs> <laughs> right? That was horrible, right? Oh, boy. But you would imagine there's a way to do it because the MCU set a blueprint. The MCU set a blueprint for it in terms of you can tell a story over a period of time. People will continue to give you their money if you do it do justice and adapt the story in a way that doesn't do the source material any sort of injustice. And I just don't think that they've caught on with that when it comes to live action anime. Like, we'll uh, follow you down a trail if you lead us down a trail. But a lot of these people, and the DCEU is a prime candidate of this, too, in terms of rushing to the finish Mm -hmm. line. For sure. Uh, And I think something to keep in mind is I think ultimately what it really comes down to is who is writing and producing and directing. It it has to be the passion for the original IP to come through. But we could talk about this forever. We've got to take a break, but we will be right back with Andrew Reiner from Game Informer. Uh, He's going to talk again about Halo Infinite, what his game of the year in 2021 is. I'm Katie Barber. You're here on the meta at San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM. (laughs) 
The Meta with Katie Barbo on San Antonio Sports Star. Welcome back to the Meta here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM. Online at sasportstar.com. Right now, I'm joined by Editor-in-Chief at Game Informer, Andrew Reiner. We met a few years ago when I had him as a guest on my very first video game-related show, Cake Bites, and we discussed his career in video game journalism that spans more than 25 years. I wanted to bring someone onto the meta to do a review of Halo Infinite, as it's one of the most anticipated launches of the year. I think it was most anticipated last year in 2020, uh, before it got delayed. Um, and I felt like no one better to talk about Halo would be Andrew. I know that Matt Miller did the actual review uh, that was published in Game Informer, so I wanted to give you a chance to also air your thoughts, Andrew. Thank you for being with me. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show, and it's great to talk to you again. And <laughs> yeah, the I'll say this: the entire Game Informer staff has been playing Halo, uh, Halo Infinite. It has been that anticipated, and <laughs> it's finally here. And I can gladly say it lives up to the hype. Yeah, if you had to put. I know you guys are going to be doing your game of the year uh, picks and stuff like that. But if you had to do, if you had to say out of your top five games, you don't have to say what they are, but would you say Halo Infinite cracks that top five list? Well, I can tell you, it, it's my number one game of the year. Oh. You'll have to wait until Monday to find out what Game Informer picked is the number one game of 2021. But it is easily my pick of the year. Uh, I was blown away, not only by the multiplayer that hit a couple weeks ago, but by the campaign, which just launched uh, this week. Perfect. And the multiplayer, I mean, when the, when we got a look at it um, last year, there wasn't a great response to what 343 had showed us. And it, it seems like they kind of buried their heads. They did a lot of work to re revamp it. And um, with the, the release of the free... <laughs> free-to-play multiplayer, um, you, you said it's they, they did a really good job on, on making something that people want to play and compete in. Yeah, and, you know, video games are iterative, right? Like, they these days, you know, a game is never really complete, and you can do betas and alphas and have people test it, give you feedback, and you can keep building upon these games. And that's what 343 did in that, in that year of development since it was delayed. Like you said, it was supposed to come out last year. They pushed it back a full year, mm -hmm. which actually lines up with the series' 20th anniversary. So it's almost poetic that, <laughs> that it's releasing <laughs> this year. And the thing about this game is, both the multiplayer and campaign, is it is a love letter to those old games. Wow. You know, the, the game that originally launched on Xbox, it is a throwback of sorts that draws most of its inspiration from protagonist Master Chief's earliest adventures. So right out of the gates, you're just kind of hit by this wave of nostalgia, right? Like it just kind of it comes over you and you're like, this is the halo I remember. <laughs> it has that feel, that flow. You see, you know, the Master Chief who, for people who haven't played uh, these games, he's kind of, uh, he's a super soldier, kind of like Captain America, but in space armor. Like he's a space marine mm -hmm. and, um, you know, he's capable of these great feats and you feel very powerful controlling him. And so all of that kind of comes together, swells together, and then they just deliver a really well-written, uh, expertly paced, and just uh, action-packed uh, story that, that you get to play through. And that feel, that great gameplay, transitions over seamlessly to the multiplayer, yeah. uh, where they have some excellent maps, weapons out of the gate, and... Uh, uh, yeah, uh, the matchmaking has been great so far. You know, obviously, <laughs> you're always going to find times where 
you're matched against people at a different skill level. But what we've seen so far has been pretty balanced. And, and that nostalgia you're talking about, I've I've heard from a lot of my friends who have been playing as, as the campaign came out, uh, the single player campaign released this week. Um, and and in addition to that nostalgia, though, three four three did something really different with the campaign. It's a much more open world than it's ever been. Um, even if it's what we're what people are playing is actually we found out a scaled back version of the open world that they originally planned for. But but this open world is is bringing just a really different feel to the campaign. Is that would you agree with that? Yeah. So the the Halo games of the past or of old or all of them to date have been very linear in that you want to get from point A to point B. And then, you know, you'll see story events unfold around that. That's still the case here. But between that point A and point B is this huge, sprawling um, kind of open space where there are other objectives that you can tackle along the way. Optional. Everything's optional. So you can still play it like a traditional Halo game where you go, you know, from just moving along that path, that predetermined path. But if you want to venture off it, find secrets, find other enhancements for Master Chief, you can do that. It's up to you to determine if you want to do that. And these, these open spaces are really nicely designed. Um, they really um, play up the vehicles, which has been a big part of, of the Halo games of old. Mm-hmm. We have like the Warthog, which is kind of like your Jeep. Uh, you have the Banshee, which is this uh, kind of really swift airplane that you can kind of fly around an alien vessel. You get to use all that stuff in these open spaces. Uh, and then it is just, you know, about discovery. What, you know, what's going to be over this mountain? It could be a, um, you know, a boss, you know, a, a, a very powerful enemy that you can take on. Or it could just be um, a weapon case, case that gives you uh, an extra power up. And I know that... <clears throat> Halo has been around for 20 years, um, and, and Bungie was the developer behind the first bunch of games, and 343 took over as after Halo Reach, I believe, right? Um, and, and there's kind of been a, just, it seems as if people kind of have criticized 343 or have maybe um, given them a hard time about continuing the series in a way they do not feel is true to the original. Do you feel 343 really pulled it together for Halo Infinite? Yeah, this is their best game to date. And a lot of it is kind of going back to what Bungie, the previous developer, had kind of laid out. You know, there's that nostalgia feel. But the chances that 343 takes, I don't want to shortchange them. There's some great ideas here, like the new grapple mechanic where Master Chief has this grapple that you can almost use like Spider-Man's webs to swing across the environment where you could shoot it out and pull a weapon to you. Or you can, if an enemy has a shield, you can hit the, you know, shoot up the grapple and it'll hit the shield and stun the enemy, allowing you just a split second to take them out. That idea, that's new. That works really well. That enhances that classic core in a really dynamic way and makes the game so much better. Um, I think that's an idea that works well, and most of them do. Uh, I think, you know, like you said, they they had ideas, lots of them. Not all (laughs) of them made it into the game, and I think they made the right cuts to just make a really compelling package here. Do you feel like the delay was beneficial for them, even though it it left the Xbox Series X as a a new console without uh, much of an exclusive library for a year? For 343, yes. I think, you know, it hurt Xbox for sure. You know, but 
again, we're, we were in a pandemic. We're in mm-hmm. uncertain times. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we just didn't really know what to expect from games at the time. I think Sony definitely had the upper hand with the big AAA games that were probably further along. Spider-Man, Ghost of Tsushima, stuff mm-hmm. like that ended up coming out during the pandemic. But, um, yeah, I think the delay was well, well worth it and reestablished Halo as, you know, video games is most successful and popular science fiction franchise. And so if you had to tell fans of the Halo franchise that maybe stopped playing after Halo 4 or Halo 5 and, and said they, they were like, I'm just not going to try again, what would you say to them to convince them to actually pick up the game? You know, we just released our a ranking of all the Halo games. And so the, our list goes, Halo 3 is number one. Mm-hmm. Halo 2 is number two. <laughs> and then we say Halo Infinite is the third best game. All right. So if you like those first two, this one's kind of, or those, you know, number two and three, this one is right there. It has that classic vibe. It's really well done. And uh, I can't wait to see what they do as it move, moves forward because it sounds like we'll get more uh, single-player content and obviously multiplayer they're just going to keep adding on to we'll have to see how long if this is going to be a matter of a couple years before we get a halo infinite 2 or if they keep this as like a living game where like Fortnite, where you know or even destiny 2 yeah they they, they took away the generation Mm -hmm. they they were like we're not we're actually we're not going to do a destiny 3 uh we're gonna just make destiny 2 the thing forever (laughs) yeah and it works right that's the the day and age of gaming we're in now and uh it's just great to have Halo back in a big and bombastic way. And like I said, it's, it's all about that nostalgia factor that kind of lures you in. But the, the adventure that unfolds is definitely new and something fans will, will need to check out to, uh, to see what's coming next. Perfect. And I know you said Halo Infinite is your number one game of the year, which is big honors. Uh, but I'm just curious then, what, what else made uh, the short list, if you wanted to name a couple? <laughs> I'm just curious. Yeah. I loved It Takes Two from Hazelight. That's that cooperative platformer. Mm -hmm. You can only play it with two people. And it is such a great game for for teamwork. And I just thought it was really inventive from start to finish. They're changing it up every step of the way. I was really impressed by that. Mm -hmm. I also loved uh, Arcane Studios' Deathloop. Yes. Which, as the name implies, it's about time loops and uh, trying to take out eight targets within a day. Um, but you got, you know, time keeps you setting. So you got to figure out the path to get all eight of them at once. I thought that game was, was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there, there's Returnal. This is a, yes. a more challenging game. Uh, it's kind of got roguelike, roguelike, like qualities in that, um, it's, it's really brutally difficult, mm-hmm. but very rewarding in that once you finally figure it out, that rhythm, um, it's kind of um, uh, a, a shooter that's, you know, reflex-based. Mm-hmm. But once you figure out that rhythm for each boss and the biomes you go into, uh, it's just one of the most rewarding gameplay experiences of the year, in my opinion. And the narrative in Returnal is, like, um, devastatingly, like, good. It's so emotional, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it's but it's really, really good. You know, it, the main character, she's, she's fantastic. I, I agree with you with all of those picks. They're fantastic. Um, and... Andrew, if people wanted to follow you, if they're not already following you, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter most of the time, uh, <laughs> telling really bad jokes, but giving <laughs> some game advice as well at uh, Andrew underscore Reiner. 
Perfect. Well, Andrew, thank you again for joining us. I hope that you'll be back in the future to do some more of these game reviews for us. Um, we're gonna Absolutely. Ta- anytime. Yeah. We're going to take a really quick break here on the meta. You're home for everything gaming and esports. When we come back, we'll nerd out with vi- about video game news with James Pledger, and we're going to talk about last night's Game Awards. <laughs> The Meta with Katie Barber on San Antonio Sports Star. Welcome back to The Meta, your source for all things gaming and esports, right here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM. Remember, if you've missed any of today's show, you can always catch the podcast online at sasportstar.com under the audio vault. I've got San Antonio Sports Star's own James Pledger with me here. (laughs) With me here, I'm like out of breath right now. I know. Well, let's face it. There was a lot to take your breath away at last night's Game Awards, right? Yeah, no kidding. Three and a half hours of game trailers with some awards sprinkled in. Um, and that is kind. And I'm just going to get this out of the way at the front because I watched the whole show. It's a really good show, but I was disappointed that they, would, they, they announced of the, I mean, off the top of my head, there had to have been at least 15 to 20 um, categories. Mm-hmm. And I would say 10 of those... I'd say if there's 20, 10 of those were actually rapid fire. They didn't even have hosts on the stage. They no. didn't bring the developers up on the stage to give an, like an, an acceptance speech. And that's the whole point of the show is to celebrate the games that have come out, to celebrate the developers who worked hard to bring us these games, and to celebrate good games. They're treating this a lot like PAX or E3. I was calling it it E3.5 last night. (laughs) Because they were pushing so much new content out that Mm -hmm. it took away from like what it was supposed to really be about, mm-hmm. which I'm okay with because I love seeing all right. this cool I'm, stuff. I'm, I'm not. Com- I'm not saying don't do it. I'm not saying don't give me new game information. She's I- saying make it eight hours long. No. <laughs> but I just I felt really I felt really bad for the developers for for you know games like best online game, best mm-hmm. family game, best music and score. Like those those. Award categories did not, they didn't even read all of the nominees in those categories. They literally just said the the winner. And even the games that don't win deserve to have their name read just in recognition of the great achievement that they've done. Um, But I will say I I did like, I wasn't upset about how the awards were divvied out. Mm -hmm. It's uh, public gets to vote on them. So it's not like some, you know, the media doesn't get to choose the, you know, the game industry doesn't get to choose. It's people vote for them once the nominees come out. And so the game that took Game of the Year may surprise some people, and Andrew mentioned it in his interview, yeah. is, the, is It Takes Two. Um, and it's a, you have to play it co-op. You're playing as a husband and a wife who are, who want to divorce, mm-hmm. and uh, their daughter makes a wish that she doesn't want her parents to get divorced. So <laughs> this magical book comes in and uh, puts the parents through a, you know, it's, it's a really good game for <laughs> parents probably to play together yeah. or for couples to play together um but the story's really good the gameplay is top tier top yeah. tier the actual gameplay itself so i'm i'm happy about that i have i wrote out all of the things that were announced and we're not going to be able to talk about them <laughs> oh, all oh absolutely not <laughs> but i'm going to so i'm going to pull some really good highlights but we're going to yeah, we're going to bullet point this right, for you and right. talk about some of the biggest reveals yes. from and or at least in our minds what some of the biggest right. I'm going to bring up you know one or two that I'm personally really excited about, and I'll explain why. You tagged me in the first one, <laughs> and yes. my heart sank. Was it 
Wait, are you talking about the Star Wars game? Yeah. Oh, uh, with Quantic Dream. It's oh, gonna man. Set, a, set in the High Republic era. Oh. <laughs> they dropped a cinematic trailer. It looks really good. It's how they started the show. It so. looks sick. It, rem- it reminds me of kind of Knights of the Old Republic, mm-hmm. which was so incredible. Good old culture. And as soon as I saw it, too, I saw that yellow blade mm-hmm. coming out of that curved hilt, Mm -hmm. and I immediately, like, I saw the hilt, and I was like, that looks like Palpatine's hilt. (laughs) (laughs) That was, like, immediately my first thought, because he had that curved hilt. Him Mm -hmm. and Dooku had those curved hilts on their lightsaber blades, but had a yellow uh, kyber crystal coming Mm -hmm. out of it, and it was was incredible. Incredibly cool. Like I saw that and then I saw that it was going to be High Republic and mm-hmm. I just started kind of like jumping up and down when I saw that tweet you tagged me in. I got uh, no, I it's, guess what the game awards is, or just events like this are really good for is, yeah. is to bring build hype about franchises that you love. Buzz. Right. A hundred percent. I mean, and they I don't believe that they gave um, a release window for it or anything. So Mm-mm. it may still be a little bit out, um, but we know it's coming and it was rumored to be coming uh earlier this year so a lot of people weren't surprised um but you know it's always good to get confirmation um another big one that was a huge reveal for people my my, my twitter timeline was losing <laughs> it over alan wake 2 yep. um they announced earlier this year that they were re- remastering the first game i mean it's been so i'm like I'm, I'm trying to think i i remember selling alan wake when i was working at gamestop <laughs> in 2014 so I didn't. It's it's not a game that I have played, but a lot of people I know yeah. are are in love with it. Have been begging for another entry in the series. They were super happy just to get a remaster of the first Absolutely. game on top of it. So that that was a big deal. And uh, there was a a lot of good comics, comic game news. Yes. Gar- Marvel Gar- Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy won some awards last night, and they were nominated for. A and lunch. they should have. Yeah, no, it was. They, they I believe they won. Um, they won I've best started narrative. playing that, and that it's game is incredible. In- incredible, absolutely incredible. Um, but they so what they announced was there's going to be a Wonder Woman game. I just wish Avengers would have been more like Guardians. I know, <laughs> I know, Crystal Dynamics. What are you doing? But uh, what I'm excited about with this Wonder Woman game is it's made by the developers of Shadow of Mordor and yes. Shadow of um whatever the sequel is. I can't Shadow of War, I think is the name mm-hmm. of the second one. Um and it's gonna be like a single player open world game you play as Diana. Mm-hmm. Um but my favorite thing is is so these developers that made Middle Earth, Shadow of Mordor, they came up with this it's called the Nemesis system. Yeah. Where as you interact with enemies and allies in the game, like you can go and kill like in Shadow of Mordor, it's a group of orcs. Yeah. So you go and you you mess them up, and what you know the leader gets away. Well, he gets away and he goes into the game world and tells people about you. He starts plotting. Yeah, but you build a reputation, not just with enemies though, with allies. And in the the Wonder Woman game that they're going to be coming out with, they're going to employ the same nemesis system. Yeah. Which I mean, Middle Earth is one thing, but when you've got a world full of humans and Amazonians and DCU, yeah. <laughs> you know, like like just the, the cast of characters and villains in the DC universe that you can include in the system. I think it's going to shape up to be really cool. Um, we got, a- and it's also really cool because there's aren't a whole lot of female superhero solely based right. games, so it's kind of like opening a, a world that right. has not been explored in terms of just building a 
single game around one female protagonist. Exactly. Comic book care, you know, uh, yeah. hero. And I will say, you know, the clo- I mean, we got pretty close in Avengers with the main story with Kamala Khan as Miss Marvel. You know, you start. But you're playing. But, as... but you also, but then you switch and you play as all the the Avengers. But I will say. You know, as somebody, I loved Miss Marvel. I mean, so the I was story kind of, follows Miss yeah. Marvel, but, you know, you get to be Tony, you yeah, get to be Bruce, you get to be uh, but this is, Steve. this is, you are playing only as Diana. Mm-hmm. You know, along the same veins of in the Marvel Guardians game, you play only as Peter Quill. Yeah, but that's, that's just, cool. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, I don't want to say that's where Avengers missed, mm-hmm. but it's definitely... It was like they were doing doing too much. Yeah, you can't. You it's hard to get a feel for the game because you're changing your playstyle with every Avenger you mm-hmm. play as. Now it'd be cool if it was more like, let's say, if you remember the old Ninja Turtle games or the old X Men games, mm-hmm. to where you had the choice mm-hmm. of who you want, or you know, instead of shoehorning you, like you have to. Play, play Tony the, Stark at this point yeah. of the game. You mm-hmm. have to be like it sucks Steve if you Rogers really hate the, ga- the the play mechanics of one character. That's something that will, and maybe that makes me a bad game player. But like bad, like annoying <laughs> yeah. game mechanics are something that will have totally turned me off to playing a game. Exactly. Um, and the Sorry, same, I just no, wanted no, to... no. I I totally I I totally agree with you. Um, but on the flip side, so Rocksteady, who made the the Batman Arkham games, mm-hmm. they are making a Suicide Squad game called yes. Kill the Justice League. Suicide Squad kills the Justice yeah. League. And so we got a new gameplay trailer from them last night on that. You know, we we've known that that's coming been coming out for a while. We know Rocksteady has a good reputation. Hopefully they mm-hmm. uphold this good reputation. Um not video not or not comics, but in the grander scheme of excitement, exactly, we got a new a new trailer for the new Sonic movie, and I promise there's a game aspect to this. But we got a trailer for the new Sonic movie, and yeah, so my, I know. And the trailer was really good. It already has an amazing cast. I, ben Schwartz is Sonic; he's great. John Ralphio is my boy. Jim uh, Carrey is Doctor yes, Robotnik. Jim Carrey has been the love of my life since I was like ten. I've loved him since he was Ace Ventura, since he was The Mask, and just as I've gotten older, he, I've learned to appreciate his humor and the way that he's continued growing. And even less things like <laughs> Eternal Sunshine of the yes, Spotless Mind and beautiful. Uh, what was it, Number Twenty Three? Mm-hmm. The Truman Show is one that speaks to me so really, great. like just in a really weird way. Um, we're not going to get into that today, but I, it's like one of my favorite movies of all time. So Jim Carrey coming back, but Idris Elba as Knuckles. <laughs> Idris Elba as Knuckles is awesome, but I also love the fact that Jim Carrey now has the Dr. Robotnik look in full, yes. and that's really cool. Yes. Uh, so that was exciting, right, On by itself. But uh, they, And they're introducing Tails. Yes. Which yes. is lost in all of it, which Tails is one of my favorites. I know. It's like there's so much to be excited about. It's like it's easy to get lost. Yeah. Um, but not only are we getting, obviously, a Sonic 2, the movie, mm-hmm. but they announced a new Sonic game, Sonic Frontiers, an open-world mm-hmm. Sonic game. Right? Open world! I know. I, and I people can say they're tired of open-world games all they want, uh, but a good open-world game... Just there's so much more to play. It's a good open world. Yes. You, you got you got to clarify it, like you said, yes. a good open world game it's, because it's easy to to build an open world that's empty and feels devoid of anything good. But there's mm-hmm. some open world. I mean, you got Breath of the Wild is a really great example of, of an open world game that. Yeah, I guess it's controversial. Some people hate it, but you know, I loved it. I love 
pretty much all open world games. So, mm-hmm. so this I'm here for. It looks like you're going to be exploring the Starfall Isles. They didn't really, I mean, they showed the trailer, but other than that, you really don't know too, too much about what you're going to be doing. Exactly. Um, one, a game that I'm really excited about um, is Dying Light 2. They announced it a couple of years ago. It's it's a really cool um, like post-apocalyptic survival horror yeah. type game. Has some pretty unique mechanics, not totally survival um, in the same vein as other um, like zombie survival games. But they announced it forever ago. I sat at an E3 press briefing on this game in 2019, and developers played a portion of a build of it for us. So that's like in 2019, I saw developers play a portion of this, and it's finally getting the correct release date, supposedly. Hopefully, it doesn't continue to get delayed, but it looks like it's finally going to be coming out and on February 4th. And the trailer they dropped was really good. It gives a lot of personality and life to the franchise. So. I wish we had more time to talk about these things. <laughs> I know. Uh, one of the <laughs> things that I wanted to mention from it that I was extremely excited about is the Final Fantasy VII oh. remake coming to PC. Oh, I know. Final so- Fantasy VII was one of my favorites growing up. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like, it was... Oh. And and quite frankly, the remake I loved a lot. And, mm. and it's, what, it's not just the remake. The way that um, Final Fantasy VII is being remade is in chunks so they released yeah. final fantasy 7 remake um and you got through the, like the first chapter of the game and then what's coming out is intergrade it's called final fantasy 7 remake intergrade and it's including kind of the next not the full chapter but the next uh story in the game that'll include characters like yuffie who hasn't been shown quite yet in the game so um that's really good for players that'll be coming out on december 16th i believe so um Man, I really wish we could talk about more of the stuff that's here. But but I have some stuff. I want to talk about a pioneer in gaming with James after the break, though that 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 passed away recently. And uh, but first, we, we like I said, we need to take this break right here on the Meta on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM twelve fifty and ninety The Meta with Katie Barbo on San Antonio Sports Star. Welcome back to the Meta, your source for all things gaming and esports, right here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM. I'm your host, Katie Barber, and I've got James Pledger with me, like he hasn't been here all show anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Normally the news is fun, and today I've actually got some not-so-good mo- news. It looks like earlier this week, the the lead architect on this the NES and the SCNS, Masayuki Uemura, he passed away at the age of 78. He played a huge role in the development of two huge consoles that not only were popular um, here in America, but they were insanely popular over in Japan. Um, and in, a, in addition to the NES and the SNES, we never got to see it, but he actually worked on um, Nintendo's first disc console mm-hmm. that came out. The, the GameCube? The, no, the uh, it's actually called the uh, the, the Famicom disk system, because that's what the the NES and the SNES were, the, the Famicom and the, the Super Famicom. Yeah. Um, but he also... Helped to create the very iconic NES Zapper Gun that was used, you know. Duck Hunt. <laughs> yeah, he he worked on. He was the producer on games like Ice Climbers. He worked on like the trio of sports games that came out that include, I think, tennis and some other ones. So he he had a hand in the the founding of many of our loves for games. Yeah, this one this one hurt. Yeah, part of my childhood died. Not um, only your childhood, huh? <laughs> not only your childhood. But like your last yearhood. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Nintendo, Super Nintendo, they played a huge part in my life growing mm-hmm. up. I remember going over to my buddy Scott Royce's house when I was a kid in Houston, running across the street. We'd play wow, games Scott. all day. We would, um, Super Mario 3 was one of those games that we could play forever. And I actually kind of got back into it during COVID because <laughs> I got one of those little NES systems mm-hmm. and it's got Sight Bike and, you know, Double Dragon mm-hmm. and Goblins of Ghouls and Contra and Castlevania, like so many great titles came off the NES, but it's also got all the Marios and Mega Man. And Mm -hmm. as you can tell, like it's had a huge kind of like even inspiration in the show. I create a lot of the uh, bump backs in the music and you can hear hints Mm -hmm. of, you know, Mario Brothers, you can hear Mega Man dying. Like, you can yeah. hear different NES type sounds. Uh, Legend of Zelda. Yes. Like, all of these are kind of, I've woven them into the tapestry of the music and the, and the outtones yeah. from the meta itself because this is a gaming show and it was a huge instrumental part of gaming. Yeah. And so, like, that, that really hurt because, uh, over the last year with COVID, when we were in like lockdown and mm-hmm. nothing was open, me and my roommate, like just not a huge gamer, but she enjoyed playing Super Mario yeah. 3. So we beat it's Super Mario 2 and 3, but 3 we beat over and over <laughs> and over, like every weekend, because it took us forever to be it the first time because we kept saving and we'll yeah. come back to it next weekend. Mm-hmm. And when we finally beat it, we we're like, let's see if we can beat whatever the save time that we beat it in. And we go back and beat the save time. And then it just became this quicker and quicker. And mm-hmm. how fast can we beat the game right? kind of thing? And how many lives do we need to get to the end? And how mm-hmm. many feather or pea wings do we need to get past <laughs> like the level eight ships right? and stuff? So it was a whole lot of fun. Uh, during lockdown, it was one of the bright spots of it was getting back to the nostalgia and the excitement of beating Super Mario 3. And Mm -hmm. it was, it was fun. And so when I heard this news, it, it hurt. No, I I totally agree. Uh, I did not personally own an an NES or an SENS, but my, my first consoles were, um, I I got the PlayStation and the N64 Mm -hmm. the the same Christmas because my parents, well, because my parents just didn't know the difference. And then, uh, and I had a Game Boy Color that I begged them for, but I would go to, I had a friend that I, that I grew up going to her house down the road. Her name was Leanne and she had an NES up in her parents' room. So when, when I would go over, we would go and we would sit and we'd play Super Mario Brothers 3 or, you know, and, and that was really my first experience playing games with friends. I grew up, yeah. my siblings are all way older, um, so I never had really like a player two to play with. If I played, if I played Mario Party on my N64, I played, <laughs> I played against the computers, but I was exactly. totally fine with that. But, but I would go over there and it was, it, that was my first experience playing co-op games with yeah. my friends was on the SNS. So, um, big ups to Umora, really changed the game. Literally, literally, literally in the video game industry. And, you know, we could never say thank you enough. And I hope that, you know, everybody maybe plays their favorite NES or SNS game. This I weekend. would just, hope so just because pay, it is homage. available to you now. Yeah, just to play to pay homage. Um, and just because we're talking about Nintendo, um, I'm going to just talk a little bit about a game I'm really excited about. It yeah. comes out in January called Pokemon Legends Arceus. Yes. Um, it's going to be an open world Breath of the Wild style uh, Pokemon game that is set 
it's like essentially like a prequel to the Pokemon series. It's set way mm-hmm. early in time, primitive. Um, and I personally, they, they primitive dropped, Pokemon. Pr- primitive. That's so like cool. They showed, like, so they came out with a new trailer <laughs> that shows the Voltorb of that region. And I can't say it off the, I, I'm afraid I'm going to say it so bad, but it, it, the, the, the region sp- begins with an H. I think it's Hisui, but I don't know off the top Hisui. of my head. I'm just making myself sound silly. Um, but yeah, so the the trailer is really cool. The gameplay is cool. And Voltorb resembles like a primitive Pokeball. Looks really cool. That is so cool. Um, but we're out of time because I talked too much about the Game Awards. <laughs> <laughs> but the Game Awards were so interesting. I know, interesting. and I didn't even get to tackle everything. But next week... We need multiple shows to tackle everything. Oh, I know. Luckily, we, need, we have those. We need two time slots, James. Do you have any to spare? <laughs> but, but so for this week... On the meta, that's going to have to do us, even though we could keep talking forever. Um, thanks again to Andrew Reiner from Game Informer. Hopefully he comes back soon to give us another rundown on some good games. Thanks again, as always, to James Pledger. He's here with me every week, and I can't thank him enough. I am your host, Katie Barber. We're here every Friday at 10 p.m., and if you miss any of it, you can catch it online in the audio vault on essaysportstar.com. Mm-hmm.